Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment, let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, our pastor of Care Ministries is beginning our new Advent series titled The Expected One. And the best way to know what's going on at Southview all throughout the year is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. And you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm, join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Sermon text, Matthew 2, 1-8, NIV. Micah 5, 1-4, NIV. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Well, hello, church. It's good to be together to worship our King, Jesus, and it's good to be in this Christmas season. Don't you love the decorations around the building and the trees and lights and all of that? Uh, big shout out to Hannah and her team of volunteers who put all this together. And uh, for yeah, let's give her a hand and that team. Many of you were a part of uh, helping out 
And that call to listen video featured our very own Southview artists. All of the artwork in there is our very own people. And you can see all of that on display just out in the hallway. If you head out to the right, there's a little hallway there, some uh, artwork there on display. Yeah, so it's good to be a part of this Christmas season. And in our house, Christmas is a pretty big deal. Uh, the first snowfall, we put Christmas music on. So we're still waiting for that, I guess. No, we've had some snow. I can't remember when it was. It was a while ago, and there was Christmas music playing in our house. Uh, but for us, the Christmas season really starts when Starbucks puts out their Christmas drinks. Um, Unfortunately, we operate our lives on Starbucks time, not the church calendar, which we should be sort of operating our life by. But when Starbucks puts their Christmas drinks out, that's like permission for us to put the, the house together, to bring the tree out, to, to decorate, to put the lights outside and all of that. So we just love Christmas. Um, there's one person in our house who really loves Hallmark movies. Anyone? Yeah, if you're forced to watch Hallmark movies, Hallmark Bingo is a great way to go. Just Google it. It makes the movies way more entertaining. Um, some of you really like those movies. That's great, too. I just watched a Merry Scottish Christmas Hallmark movie this week. I've got Scottish background, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, anyways, we love Christmas movies and other ones besides Hallmark as well. But we pack a lot into the Christmas season as well in our house. Uh, Tammy and I got married the week before Christmas, December 18th. So our anniversary is coming up. And when we were young and in love and thought it was a great idea to get married the week before Christmas, you know, Cheap decorations, everything's kind of there on display. We didn't have to do much for flowers and stuff. We had Christmas trees and poinsettias everywhere. Um, but as we've kind of grown up and matured and had kids of our own, we realized like Christmas is actually a pretty busy season. And so we have our anniversary right in the middle of that. But to top it off, we decided to put more into the middle of it. Our firstborn, Emma, was born on Christmas Day. So uh, she actually thinks that her birthday is the entire season, you know, Advent, Christmas, as soon as the lights go up, it's her birthday, and she'll be 21 this year, and she still feels that way. She loves Christmas. So Christmas is a pretty exciting time, and uh, Advent in the church calendar is an exciting time. We have readings, and, and we have, uh, you know, again, the lights, the trees, everything goes up. We start to sing some Christmas songs, and Advent is that season that anticipates the arrival, the coming of Jesus, right? We go back, we celebrate his arrival when he first came as the Christ child, the baby. We look forward to his return, his second coming. And so Advent is a time of preparing for that as well. And in the middle of those two uh, ends of the spectrum, his birth and his return, we find ourselves in the here and now. And the season of Advent really is a season of preparation and inviting more of Jesus into our lives. And so this Advent season, uh, season, we are uh, in a series that we're starting today called The Expected One. And so we're going to be looking at uh, prophecies from the Old Testament that point to Jesus, the expected one, and some images of what we can expect from this expected one, from Jesus. And so today, uh, those scriptures have already been read. Thank you, Elsa, for reading so beautifully. And uh, we'll be looking from that Old Testament prophet Micah and uh, an image that he shares about this expected one. So as we dive into God's word, let's just pause and pray and invite Jesus to speak. And so Jesus, as we open your word once again, as we truly dig in, we invite you to speak. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open our ears to hear what you would have to say through your word, your living word today. And so give us hearts that are able to receive your word. 
Give us a will that is soft to follow you and your word, your instruction for us today. And uh, we do just pray for more of you in this season of Advent. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name, amen. And so let's dive right in to Matthew, uh, the first text that was read, Matthew chapter 2, which is maybe a familiar part of the nativity story, the, the, uh, the story of Christ coming as a child, as a baby. And so in Matthew chapter 2, I want to just highlight verse 2, where the Magi have just shown up, uh, they've arrived in Jerusalem, they've approached King Herod, and they ask this question, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These magi, if you don't know, they were from sort of a land far away. They were outsiders to the people of God, the Israelites. And so they were far from God and geographically they were far. They traveled a distance to come and find this Christ child. And they ask a question that's a very powerful question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Or in other words... Where is this Jesus that we're all expecting, that we're anticipating, even from a distance? They'd heard about him, and so they came searching for him, wondering where he was. And just a couple interesting things to point out in this passage. They showed up in Jerusalem, which is where King Herod resided, and King Herod was uh, sort of a puppet king under the reign of the, the Roman Empire, and so he was sort of set up in this position as king over Judea. And so the Magi showed up at his house expecting that this king of the Jews would have been born there. That would have made logical sense. In Jerusalem, sort of the capital of the region, in the home of King Herod, the current king, we would expect this new king should be there. But to their surprise, King Jesus was not there. And this question that they asked King Herod sort of disturbed him. He was a little bit paranoid because he knew he was a puppet king. He wasn't God's anointed for the throne. And so he felt threatened by this reality that this king of the Jews had maybe entered the scene. And so King Herod in his sort of paranoia starts to plot and scheme and, 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 uh, and do all kinds of things. And, uh, and so we have sort of this disruption and this sort of surprise that when the Magi show up, King Jesus isn't there. So they start to go looking. Well, where would he be? But before we continue on in this passage, just think about the nativity story, the, 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 the arrival of Jesus and the other details that we all probably know about. We know about the virgin birth, right? Mary was uh, Jesus was conceived uh, through the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, right? This virgin birth. That's a, a mystery and a surprise and not the way that we would expect King Jesus to show up. And think of the fact that Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. And so that caused a bit of a, a rift in their relationship. They had to navigate that. Like, what do we do with this? Joseph was confronted with the reality that his soon-to-be wife was pregnant and not by his doing, and that caused some disruption, right? So a bit of a surprise. Um, angels show up in the, middle of the night, uh, in the middle of the night to announce to a group of shepherds that this King Jesus had been born. And so that's a bit of a surprise because why would they talk to the shepherds? The shepherds were sort of like, you know, outsiders in the community. They were literally outside Bethlehem. Why, why would they show up to these shepherds in the middle of the night? And as we think about the nativity scenes that we might set up in our houses... And sort of the glamorization of this, this scene, you know, Jesus in a stable, which was literally a barn, a dirty barn with a bunch of dirty animals, 
And we think of the, the circumstances going on. We have this paranoid King Herod who's uh, sending out a death sentence to all the little boys under the age of two that he wants them murdered because he's so threatened by Jesus. And so the events that are taking place with the, uh, the arrival of Jesus are sort of unexpected events, right? We begin to see that the expected one arrived in unexpected ways. The Old Testament prophets had predicted Jesus would come. There was this anticipation that this Messiah, this deliverer, this rescuer would show up one day. And everybody probably had a bit of an idea about where he would show up. The Magi thought he would have been in King Herod's castle, right? In, in, in his home. But the expected one arrived in unexpected ways. And as we consider that reality in this nativity scene, I want you to just think about your own lives for a moment. Think about the circumstances of your life. Think about the circumstances around the world. Think about the wars and the, the injustice and the things that are going on all over the place. Think about your own reality and maybe what you find yourself in and some of the struggles you might find yourself in. Maybe struggles within your family or within your workplace or maybe struggles because you're unemployed or maybe there's a health challenge that you're facing. And as we think about the context of this nativity scene, the chaos, the confusion, the messiness of it, the fact that it really wasn't a glamorous situation. And we think about the reality that God showed up. When God showed up and the expected one finally arrived, it actually broke 400 years of silence. The last Old Testament prophet, the, the last word of God was given 400 years before Jesus entered the scene. And so the the God's people, the faith community was probably beginning to wonder, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And in our lives, there might be times that we go through where we would say, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? The nativity story gives us this hope, this anticipation, this expectation that we can expect God to show up, but he might show up in unexpected ways. We need to be open to the fact that God might show up in ways that we're not prepared for or we haven't thought about. And maybe, uh, you know, we have an expectation that God will show up, but he might show up in unexpected ways. And so this series that we're diving into is really about pointing to the expected one, to Jesus, and talking about the expectations, the things that we can know for sure about who he is who he was when he came on the scene, who he is today in our lives, who he is as the one who will come again. And we're going to get different glimpses of what Jesus is like. And so again, we want to create a sense of expectation that Jesus wants to show up in our lives even today, even in this Advent season. But he might show up in unexpected ways. So in this passage, let's take a look at the expected one, Jesus, the way he's presented to us. And there's an image of Jesus that's presented. It's Jesus, the shepherd king. The expected one was going to show up as a shepherd king. So let's look, read on in Matthew chapter 2. So after Her uh, King Herod hears the news and he's, you know, a little paranoid that these magi are looking for Jesus, look at what he does next. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, 
In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so the religious leaders here in Matthew chapter 2 are actually quoting from Micah that was read earlier, Micah chapter 5. And they're, they're drawing their attention to that prophetic word that the expected one would come as a shepherd king. So let's look at Micah chapter 5 and just a couple verses that we'll, we'll highlight here. And we'll take a look at what it means to, to look at Jesus as this shepherd king. So look at Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And again, this is almost quoting, uh, this is almost uh, verbatim what was said in the Matthew passage. And Micah says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And then skip down to verse 4. He says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Now I want you to just think for a moment about an image of a shepherd. If you were to imagine a shepherd was to show up, you know, in your life, what would that shepherd look like? And now if you think for a moment about images or, or thoughts that you've had about Jesus as our shepherd, what would be some images that might come to mind? And I want to draw attention to Micah 5 verse 4. says that Jesus, the expected one, would shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And I want, to, I want us to consider this idea of strength for a moment. So in that picture that you have in your mind of a shepherd, I don't know what you're thinking, but here's a couple pictures that I think sort of depict what I would imagine when I think of Jesus as our shepherd king. So one would be this, you know, like what's on the screen, this picture of Jesus holding this lamb close to his heart. And it shows the tender, compassionate nature of Jesus, that he loves us deeply, right? He wants to hold us close. He wants to comfort us. But that's not a very strong picture of a shepherd. Next, uh, there's another photo here. Some of us might picture Jesus the shepherd more like this, where we have the, the glowing, you know, the glow of the sun on his flowing locks. He's got this pristine white robe that's unblemished. There's no dirt or soil on it. Uh, he's holding the lamb. You know, it's this nice pose of Jesus as our shepherd with this lamb in his arms. And again, shows this sort of tender, compassionate nature, maybe goes a little too far in this really pristine kind of image that we might have. And I want us just to consider the reality that Micah is talking about here, the kind of shepherd king that Jesus came to be. And it's not quite like those photos that we've just seen. Jesus came as a shepherd king in the line of King David, Verse 2 says that uh, his origins were from of old, from ancient times, which is a reference to this idea that Jesus is of the, the line of David, the family tree of David, and his kingship was in this, uh, the kingly line of David. And so as I think about this idea as a, a strong shepherd, a shepherd king with strength, I'm reminded of King David who was God's anointed one, right? David came after Saul. Saul was sort of chosen by the people because he looked like he could play the part, and we quickly realized that Saul could not play the part. And so then God anointed David and chose David to become 
king and establish this kingship. And if you think of David, he actually started out as a shepherd. I don't know if you remember that, but before David became king, he was a shepherd. And look at, uh, just listen to a few verses from this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So in 1 Samuel 17, we have God's army led by King Saul, who again was not a good king. And David, God's anointed, had not yet become king. So in 1 Samuel 17, we have this showdown between the army of Israel, God's people, and the Philistines. And the Philistines sort of pushed forward this giant named Goliath. I don't know if you remember this story. But Goliath was this giant who started taunting the army of God and taunting the Israelites and saying, you know, send somebody out. Let's see what you can do. Show me what you're made of. And nobody wanted to go and, and go toe-to-toe with Goliath. So David comes on the scene and listen to what he says in these few verses out of this story. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Remember, David was a shepherd. So when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. I don't know if that is like the shepherds you've been imagining in your mind. It's a very different picture, right? So he seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And so David testifies to the fact that he was a strong shepherd and his strength came from the living God. He was able to take on lions and bears and and strike them dead if they came attacking his sheep. He protected his sheep because he was a strong shepherd and his strength came from God. And he took those shepherding qualities, that strength that he had, and he brought it into his role as God's anointed king over Israel. And he took on Goliath, right? And we know what happened. He took down Goliath because God was with him. He had strength. He was a strong shepherd king. And so when Micah is talking about the expected one, Jesus, how he would come and shepherd God's flock in the strength of the Lord, we have this picture of a very strong shepherd who will actually go to battle for his flock, for his people. And if we read on in the New Testament after Jesus grew up and when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord gave him strength to cast out demons, to heal people in Jesus' name, to transform lives by proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God had come. And so Jesus, our shepherd king, is a strong king. Look at uh, the next half of verse 4, Micah chapter 5, verse 4, the second half. It says, And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. So out of the strength of the shepherd king, God's people will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And I want us to just think about this idea that shepherd, this shepherd king would bring security to his people. 
And again, just imagine a shepherding image and think of if you were to look up sort of the job description of a shepherd and as shepherding is talked about throughout the Bible and as we look at Jesus as the good shepherd, there's some things that we know about Jesus, some qualities that he brings that provide security for his people. The shepherd brings security and I'm just going to mention three things that the shepherd brings security, but this is not an exhaustive list. But the shepherd brings security to his people through his presence. If you think of a shepherd, a literal shepherd, they spend 24-7 with their sheep. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're always with their sheep. If they're not with them, another shepherd is there with them. There's always a shepherd with the sheep. Again, the Christmas story, the angels showed up to the shepherds in the middle of the night. And what does it say? They were watching their flocks at night. They're with them 24-7. And so they bring security through their presence. And Jesus, our shepherd king, brings security to us, his people, through his presence with us. We celebrate the virgin birth at Christmas. That's God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, a demonstration that Jesus came to be with us. And when he left, when he ascended to heaven, before he left, he talked to his disciples about the promised Holy Spirit who would come and actually dwell within us, his followers, that his presence would always be with us. He would never leave us or forsake us. And so the shepherd king provides security because he is always with us. Another thing that shepherds do is they provide security through protection. The shepherd brings security through his protection, right? We read about David who protected his flock from lions and bears You know, Jesus talks about the good shepherd protecting his flock from thieves that would come in to try to steal sheep away. Shepherds protect their flocks. And Jesus, as this strong shepherd king, desires to protect his people over the powers of darkness, over Satan's tactics against us, the spiritual battles that we might find ourselves in. Jesus provides protection over sin and death because he conquered it on the cross. And we'll come to the table in a moment to remember that. But Jesus, the shepherd, brings security through his protection. And then lastly, he brings protection through his provision. If we know anything about shepherds, they lead and guide their sheep, right? They provide direction and guidance. They lead and guide them to pastures where they can find food, where they can be filled up. They lead and guide them to water where they can drink and be refreshed. They guide them uh, through all these different ways. And if you think of the shepherd's staff, right, that staff is used both for protection against the predators, but also to guide the sheep and kind of keep them in line and, and going in the right path. And so Jesus, our shepherd king, brings security to us through his provision as well. Provision of food and rest and guidance. So as we think about this shepherding image I was reminded of a very familiar passage that's probably familiar to many of us. And I thought maybe I could just read it. And it's Psalm 23, talking about the Lord as our shepherd. And as I read these verses, they're not going to be on the screen. I would invite you just to maybe prayerfully reflect. If you want to close your eyes, you're welcome to do that. And just imagine these words. Just let them be spoken over you as realities of Jesus, our shepherd king. And look for these uh, language that would talk about his uh, presence and his protection and his provision. So here's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is our shepherd king. As we anticipate the expected one, as we talk about the expected one this Advent season, one of the realities of of who Jesus is is he is our strong shepherd king. So how do we respond to all of this? I want us to go back and think about the magi who came from a distance looking for Jesus. They were searching for him. And like the magi, I want to encourage us to be on a search, on a quest to find Jesus or a search or a quest for more of Jesus. And so I want to ask a simple question to kind of bring this to a close. And the question is this, what are you seeking from Jesus, our shepherd, today? I mentioned earlier, I don't know the details of each of your lives. I know some of what's going on in some of your lives, but only you know the depths of what you're facing. Only you know where there's places of struggle, where there's places where you really need the shepherd king to show up. Maybe you're in need of a deeper sense of his presence with you through the challenges. Maybe you're in need of a a deeper experience of his protection over the powers of darkness, over the spiritual battles that you might face, over the, the addiction and the sin that might be an entrapment in your life. Maybe you need his provision. Maybe you're facing a decision these days and you need direction. Maybe you need literal provision of food and finances, a job. Maybe you need provision of rest and just to abide in his presence. And remember, as we ask that question, what are you seeking from Jesus, our shepherd, today? The Magi had some expectations of where they might find Jesus. And as we ask that question of Jesus, as we seek him for for things in our lives, we might have some expectations of what that should look like. And I want to encourage you to be open to surprise. Be open to seeing a different way that Jesus might show up. Be open to receiving Jesus in just the way he wants to meet you in the middle of what you're going through. Jesus, the expected one, longs to shepherd us. He longs to shepherd us in the strength of the Lord. And so what are you seeking from him today? Let me pray. And so Jesus, as we consider you as our shepherd king, we know that you love us deeply We know that you're with us continually. We know that you're protecting us and you long to provide for us. And I pray for each one of us today, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that we're seeking from you, we invite you to show up. We expect you to show up. And I pray for each one of us that we would be open and willing to receive from you in ways that might be unexpected. So open our eyes to see what you're up to. Open our hearts to receive you just the way you desire to come 
and be present to us in our circumstances. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, now we come to the high point of our gathering. We come to the Lord's table. And as we come to the table, I was reminded of another passage that I just want to read to kind of prepare us for the table. And it's another shepherding passage, and it might be a familiar one. And this is from John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd. So let me just read a few words from this passage. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his followers. So imagine him speaking to you and I here today. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And so as we come to the table today, we're reminded that Jesus has laid down his life so that you, can have, you and I can have a full, abundant life in him. He loved us all the way to the cross. He loved us to the full extent that any human being could love another. He loved us by laying down his life for us. And so as we come to the table, we're reminded of the bread, which represents Jesus' body, which was broken for you and I. And as we come to the table, we're reminded of the cup, which represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I. And so, Father, as we come to the table, we invite you to feed us. As, shepherd, as a shepherd who feeds his sheep, would you feed us? Would you give us spiritual food to nourish us for the lives you've called us to live? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you have the elements with you, and if you haven't done so yet, I invite you to peel back the first layer to uh, expose the wafer. And I'll assume many of us, most of us have done that. And so friends, be reminded that this bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken for you and I. Let's take and eat together. And if you peel back the next layer, it will expose the cup. And this one might take a little longer. That's okay. And friends, as you hold that cup in your hand, be reminded that this cup represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I for forgiveness of sin and a welcome into the family of God. Let's take and drink together. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand.
Um, and I'll just give a word of benediction here in a moment. But as we stand, we're reminded that our time here has come to a close, but you're welcome to stay around, to visit, to connect with one another. If you're a newcomer, we'd love to see you at the Newcomer Center just out the door and to the right. But as we go from here, let me just speak this benediction over us from Hebrews 13. And now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll see you next week.